Welcome to Convention Pulpit, Wesleyan Voices Past and Present, brought to you through the Ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention. Visit our website for an entire library of great sermons and more information on this ministry, www.ihconvention.com. One of our favorite speakers here on the podcast is none other than the late B.J. Walker. In 2011, he spoke at the Dayton Interchurch Holiness Convention, and his title was Holiness. I know you'll enjoy this wonderful sermon by B.J. Walker. And on, keep passing it on, keep passing it on, keep passing it on, and on. Well, I've, I've been... Uh... Uh, uh, suggested that I bring a little message on holiness and I I look out and see all these big preachers and doctors and I think the last time I spoke here I followed attorney Gibbs and that scared me to death now I have to follow Dr. Brown and that was tremendous this morning but you know, there's a verse of Scripture in Revelation. There's a, verse, a voice came out of the throne saying, Give him glory, all ye his servants, both great and small. I said, I fit right there. <laughs> I'm one of them small servants. So if the Lord will help us, and I, uh, I realize there's a lot to take place right after 12, so we'll, we'll try to... If I go over 12, for about five minutes to 12 say something to me. I, get, I hope I don't go that long. So we're going to try to preach a little bit this morning on sanctification. Uh, perhaps we should say entire sanctification. And so I trust that you'll pray for us. Now let me give you a text. I know you probably know it from memory. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 23 and 24. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God's your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Do what, preacher? Sanctify you holy. Let me give you another translation I like this. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you holy. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Isn't that good? Entire sanctification. Well, you know, somebody said there, I, I'm not a theologian, but there is what they call initial sanctification. This takes place the moment you're saved. Amen. All born-again people are sanctified. Not holy, not complete, not thoroughly, but they are. Uh, John Wesley said holiness begins in regeneration, and it does. 
And uh, I would suppose that acquired depravity, accumulated depravity through years of sinful living, that's all washed away when you're saved. Now, inherited sin remains, but that accumulated depravity and carnality is washed away. I wasn't there when my brother got saved, and when he went to the altar, I, don't, I think he stayed there a long time and wept and prayed and cried. They said when he got up, he said, you know, I feel so clean. I feel so clean. Amen. So there is initial sanctification. There is crisis sanctification. Later on, as you go on with God, there will come a point in your life It'll be a crisis. You either go on or you'll go back. That happened to me. I got saved when I was about 16 years old, an old country boy, knew nothing about spiritual things, knew nothing about holiness. And uh, I got saved and uh, had hardly any biblical knowledge, but I started walking with the Lord the night I got saved. And, but later on, I discovered something in me that didn't. Something, something remained that caused me trouble. I didn't know what it was, but it was carnality. And uh, I remember I hadn't been saved too long till uh, I don't know what happened to our little church, a little Pilgrim Holiness Church in Lenore, North Carolina. Oil Avenue, they converted an old oil house and turned it into a little mission. And uh, I, uh, I got saved and uh, but as time went on, I began to find something disturbed in my heart. Listen, friends, it won't work if you don't have it. I remember I, I went back to the altar with some of the other young people in the meeting, the revival meeting, and I was kneeling beside the pastor's son. And uh, he stood up and said, I thank God for sanctifying me. Well, I said to myself, well, if he's got it, I must have it too. So I got up and said, well, I'm sanctified. But I was working in a factory, and I remember few days later, somebody said something to me or did something to me, and I felt something stir in my heart. I felt something hot rise up inside of me. I didn't say anything. I didn't do anything, but I felt something moving in there. I said, now, this ain't working. This ain't working. It shouldn't be like this. Well, I didn't know what it was. It was carnality, and it got ruffled and stirred up. Well, uh, time went on and our pastor left and, and uh, they're searching for somebody to be our pastor and they found a gentleman down in, down in Winston-Salem. He was an ex-patrolman, highway patrolman, and he came to be our pastor. Now, he was something else. I mean, you could, you could look at his shoes and comb your hair. I mean, he was, he was spiffy. He was spick and span. He was there about six months and I never heard him preach one message on holiness. He mentioned the Holy Spirit one time. But friends, listen. Uh, as our pastor said, sin was getting stronger and grace was getting weaker. I was, I was going down. Something was dragging me back, dragging me down, and I didn't know what it was. It was carnality. For the, the spirit lusteth against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit. These two are contrary one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. And I had a problem. I didn't know what it was. I was ignorant. Well, he was going to become our permanent pastor. And, uh, but something happened, and I thank God it did. The city water department plowed up the street in front of his house. And he called, uh, he called our superintendent and said, Brother Page, I cannot go. The streets plowed up and I can't get out. I can't move. Hallelujah. 
So they said, we got to get an album from somewhere. So they went out in Tyredale County and found a preacher. Didn't know who he was, never seen him, never met him, knew nothing about him. It was in the summertime. The church doors was open. We were excitingly waiting for a new pastor to come. They found a fellow weighed about 350 pounds. He could eat two chickens at any one meal. And he came in, rotund, great big fellow. And he had gray poles in his beard, spiritually speaking. He got up that morning and he preached on holiness. That night he preached on hell. And he preached on the judgment. Then he preached on holiness. He preached on carnality. And I said, carnality, what is that? And I began to find out my problem was carnality. I didn't know what it was. Where it, I didn't know a thing about it, but it, it was causing me trouble. And uh, so I, I, I began to seek it with a few others. And I didn't know what it was. I didn't know how to get it. I didn't know what it would do for me. If I got it, I didn't know if, how I'd know I had it. If I got it, I didn't know. I was totally ignorant. We need to remember these things. Not everybody <laughs> comes to our churches or are spiritually literate. And uh, I didn't get it. I, I don't know how many times I went to the altar, several times. And I remember, I remember shaking my head like this. The pastor said, don't shake it that way, BJ. Shake it this way. Shake it this way. And I remember I didn't get it. But I remember the night I did. Uh, the preacher preached and I went to the altar not because I felt like going. I didn't feel like going. I had no conviction. I had no emotion. I had nothing. But I knew I had a need and I was seeking the best I could. I, I had made, up, made some adjustments. I'd got things straightened out. I was walking in the light and I was seeking God. I didn't get it that night at the altar. Service was over and they dismissed the service and I was, I was, I was in utter despair. I, uh, I remember getting up and walking back and we had an old oil heater and I remember leaning up against that old oil stove. There were seven or eight others around and I had my head bowed. I was in despair, people. I didn't know what else to say. I didn't know what else to do. I had done everything I knew to do and, and say. I didn't know what else to do. And I had my head bowed. Unbeknowing to me, a little man about five feet tall, I think his name was Brother Smith, I can't remember. Little short fellow had snow white hair. Unbeknowing to me, he had walked up and he was standing right in front of me about his face was almost touching mine. When I opened my eyes, I looked him right in the face. When I did, I saw a tear trickle out of his eye and run down his cheek. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what happened to me, but all of a sudden, all of a sudden, my heart began to break. I mean, I, I had no emotion. I, had no, I felt nothing when I came down there. So, oh, you just got emotional. Well, I did, but, but, uh, I, I began to weep and I began, it felt like chains and shackles were just being broken and melted off of my soul. And I said, well, praise God. I never shouted. I said, hallelujah. Well, glory be to God. And it just kept, something just kept building, filling up and filling up. And I began to walk. 
and I started down the aisle. I was shouting, glory be to God, hallelujah, praise, and I, get, I got freer and freer and freer, and the more joy came, and the joy just kept coming, and I got full, and I, I started walking up and down the aisles of the church across the platform, and I said, glory be to God. Man, I didn't know what was happening to me. I never felt anything like it. I never sensed anything like it. I didn't know it existed in the universe. Hallelujah. And it seemed like I, I there was a it seemed like there was a mystical light shining around me. And I'll tell you, friend, God filled me with his spirit. God sanctified me. You can get it whether you understand it or not. And I remember I, I, I shouted for about 45 minutes, I guess. You said you have to shout to get sanctified. Don't think so, but it won't hurt if you do. I didn't work this up, it worked me up. <laughs> I didn't know what to expect. And it was glory. I mean, I, it, the glory of God just filled me. I, 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 didn't, I didn't know it existed in the universe. And I, after my emotion did subside, I began to think. In my heart, I was, I was, I was a, 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 what I want to say, aware of something. I, I, the first sensation I had was I felt so clean. I felt so pure in my heart. I felt like I'd had a spiritual bath. I'd been washed completely, and I felt so clean. I could have walked right inside the gates of the new Jerusalem and felt perfectly at home. I felt clean and pure and holy that I'd never felt in my life. And then I became aware that God had filled every, every empty space of my soul. God had just filled every part of my innermost being. God had filled me with himself. I knew nothing about this, but he took possession of all my heart. Then I became aware of something else. I had a deep, deep rest in my soul. Such a deep, settled peace, such a rest in my soul. Hallelujah. I've never had it before, but if you ever get it, friend, you'll know it. Amen. I was so satisfied. I was so restful. I was so peaceful. I was full of God. He had me, Jay Walker. <laughs> I can't tell it like I wish I could. So I went to work the next Monday morning, Monday morning, I, I, I was going through the uh, place where they wrapped the furniture at Broy Hills Furniture Company, and, and there's a bunch of good old Baptist boys working in there, and I, I thought they'd want to know what had happened to me. I said, praise God, boys. I said, guess what? I said, last night God sanctified me. He did what, B.J.? Now, B.J., if God would have sanctified you last night, buddy, you'd be in heaven this morning. Now, poor B.J., he's got all mixed up with that bunch of holy rollers. They didn't know. They didn't understand. They didn't comprehend. But all heaven had come down and filled my soul just a few hours. And they said, oh, you'd be in heaven. Well, I'll tell you, heaven did come down and, and, and fill my soul. I was full of glory. Hallelujah. There is a crisis. Then not only initial in Christ, but there is progressive sanctification. Somebody said it like this. You approach it, you approach it uh, uh, gradually, you enter into it suddenly, and you make progress in it indefinitely. I found out there's no plateaus in the holy life. You don't reach a flat mountain and stop. No, you go higher and higher and higher. You can go deeper and deeper and deeper and get more and more and more. Hallelujah. 
I believe I heard Brother Brown say this about the, about the Holy Spirit. You know, there's a lot of confusion about the third person of the Trinity. Um, when I got saved, somebody told me, said, now, Brother Walker, when you get saved, he's with you. When you get sanctified, he'll be in you. I said, that's the way it is. That's the way it is. And somebody else said, well, Brother Walker, uh, uh, when you get saved, you get some of him. Then when you get sanctified, you get all of him. Well, I said, what part came in and what part stayed out? I said, that don't make no sense. <laughs> Amen. The Holy Ghost is a personality. He's called he himself and he the masculine pronoun. The Holy Ghost is a divine person. He's God, the Holy Spirit. You either have him or you don't have him. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. Now here's what Brother Brown said. I think I got this right, Brother Brown. He said we get all of him in regeneration. He gets all of us in sanctification. He is resident in the regenerated, but he's president in the sanctified. <laughs> in your heart, is he resident or have you made him president? Hallelujah. Well, Christ reigns in regeneration. He reigns without a arrival in sanctification. Praise God. Well, let's just, uh, for sake of time, let's just uh, look at a couple of words in our text this morning. Sanctify you holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. What does that mean? It means entirely. It means completely. If I was reading from a German Bible, it would say through and through. No part left unsanctified. You say, Brother Lord, you believe God can do that? Yes. Through and through, completely, Entirely. I think this is the only time that word is used in the New Testament, sanctified, holy. Praise God. Well, let's look at that word sanctify. What does that mean? What does it mean? Well, I thought, well, I'm going to look in a dictionary and see what it says. I looked at several and all of them basically said the same thing. So I, 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 I took this definition from the standard dictionary and let's see what they say that sanctify means. Number one, it means to be set apart for a sacred or holy use. Set apart, separation. That is part of the meaning of it. The moment you're saved, you are set apart. You're set apart. Now, our Calvinist brethren will go that far. One of them said, yeah, BJ, that's all, it, that's it, just set, set apart. I said, okay, they won't accept the other part. Well, I read on in this dictionary, and here's what it said. To sanctify the act of making holy, H-O-L-Y. It is the act of making holy. Somebody is acting, and somebody is being acted upon. Who's acting? God is acting. He's acting upon and in you. Sanctify you. Who's doing this? God. It is the act of making holy. Well, praise God for that. Amen. The act of making holy. Not only that, but it means to render sacred or morally pure. What's wrong with being pure? That's what happens when you get saint. God makes you pure. Blessed are the pure in heart. They shall see God. 
Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? He that has clean hands and a pure heart. It's the act of, and I understand anything that's pure is not mixed with anything else. Pure water is not water and um, sand or dirt or whatever or fluoride or whatever they put in it today. It's just one thing. Anything that's pure is one thing. Amen. Pure honey is honey and nothing but honey. It's not honey and dead bees or honey and this and that. No, it's just, it's just what it is, just one thing. And when God looks in your sanctified heart, he sees one thing. He sees purity. Nothing in there but holiness and purity. Thank God. Means to make morally pure, free from sin. Not sins, but sin. To free from sin. You get rid of your sins when you get saved. You get rid of the sin nature when you get sanctified. Amen. And ex free from sin and exalted to holiness of heart and life. Well, I appreciate holiness this morning. If it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be here. Probably some of you wouldn't be here either. But I thank God for holiness. Now, let's look for a few minutes this morning on some concepts that people have about it. It's amazing at the different concepts and beliefs and opinions that people have about this word sanctify. Well, some people preach and many believe that you grow into sanctification. That it's about growth. Or today we use the word progressive. That is, you, you get it, but just slow progression all through your life, but you never reach the point where you get it. But you get it by growth. But ladies and gentlemen, we're not talking about growth, we're talking about subtraction. When you got, you see, when you got saved, you got something you never had before. When you come to get sanctified, you're getting rid of something you've always had. For you see, when you get saved, a, a child is born. When you get sanctified, an old man dies. And when you get sanctified, you're going you're to be, you're gonna have to be the chief mourner and attend your own funeral. And I'm not standing up and here this morning and tell you it's an easy thing to die. I don't mind sitting up with people if they're sick enough to die. We work, people wear us out, you know, they're not sick enough to die. You'll be the, you'll be the chief mourner at your own funeral. Have you died? John Wesley said, John Wesley said that when a person is dying, he said that you know you get sick and then, then it's a process of dying. You may not die all at once and, and you know this sickness may last for a while. You may be in the process of slowly dying and dying and dying. But he said there will come a moment when you will die. The heart will stop and you die and then you live the life of eternity. You may be dying to sin and dying to sin and it may take you may not die the first time you go to the altar. You die and you die, but there will come a moment when you die to sin and live the life of holiness. No, you don't get it, friend. You don't get it by growth. If you're trying to grow into it, uh, you're, 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 you need to change. John Wesley said, it's not so early as regeneration and not so late as death. Sometime after you're converted and before you die, friend, you need to get sanctified holy. Amen. John Wesley said, when holiness is preached, he said, the work of God grows and flourishes, but when it's neglected, the work of God withers and dies. 
And I'll be honest with you, I don't hear much holiness preaching anymore, especially doctrinal holiness. But that's what I heard when I got in. About every other message was something on holiness. But we don't hear that much anymore. We don't want to lose this message. Let's preach it, preachers, the best we can. So some, some have the concept that it's obtained by growth. No. Then some have the concept that, that you're sanctified at death or by death. Well, listen, friend, if death could sanctify you, it would be your best friend. But the Bible said the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. It's not your friend, it's your enemy. And when you die physically, friend, what happens, your, your mortal body goes back, goes back to earth from whence it came. The body turns to dust. But listen, friends, death, death has never sanctified anybody, and it never will. Now, I know some people probably get sanctified on their deathbed, but death doesn't do it. Amen. I... Uh, I was thinking about uh, Dr. McClorkin, I believe that was his name. Uh, he, he was a Presbyterian preacher and he preached that you get, you get sanctified at the time of your death. Well, let me just read this little, little article here to you. His, uh, he was a pastor over in Nashville, Tennessee. His wife went to a holiness camp meeting and got under conviction for holiness. Now she's a Presbyterian. She got so hungry she didn't know what in the world to do. She came home and told her pastor husband about it and he couldn't stand it. He said, you know what I teach and you know what I preach. You can't have this till you're going to die. Well, she was a good obedient wife, but it hurt her. But she went back again to the camp and got under conviction again about, and she mentioned it to her husband. He had a fit about it. He said, I don't want to hear any more about this. You know good and well you can't be sanctified and live in this world. But it wasn't long until she got sick, real sick. The doctor told her husband, I'll be surprised if your wife is living in the morning, and I think you ought to tell her. The pastor slipped in and knelt by the bed and looked at his wife who was semi-conscious. He took her hand with tears running down his face. He said, honey, I had rather die and tell you what I got to tell you. The doctor doesn't think you're going to make it through the night. She turned her face to the wall and burst into tears. Finally, she turned back over and said, husband, you've told me all these years I couldn't be sanctified till the hour of my death. I've been so hungry to be sanctified. Pray, husband, pray, pray. What could he do? That was his doctor. He began to pray and God heard. God sent a mighty cleansing, purging baptism of the Holy Spirit from heaven. The woman was gloriously, wonderfully, powerfully sanctified, but at the same time she was healed and he had a sanctified woman on his hands that wouldn't die. <laughs> the man's name was McClorkin and he threw away his unscriptural doctrine, was gloriously sanctified and founded Rebecca Nazarene College over in the state of Tennessee. Friend, you don't have to wait to die to get sanctified. I was thinking about dear old buddy Robinson. Got saved, I think, in a little camp meeting. He was there with his ragged britches and his ragged shirt, stuttered, sitting about on the back seat in the, in the tabernacle. Said, I didn't go to get religion. I went to flirt with the girls. Said the preacher preached and gave an invitation. 
said a godly old woman came back to where I was and came in in front of me and knelt and put her hands on my knees and she was weeping and she was praying for, for God to save me. said, my heart was broken. And he said, when I came to myself, I was at the altar and I, I pulled out my old pistol and I pulled out my old dirty playing cards and laid them on the altar. And he said, he said, God save me. And he said, he said, I climbed the tent pole. I got so happy I climbed the tent pole and didn't know how to get down. He said that night I went out and slept under the old wagon, laid my head in my old dirty hat, and I looked up in the sky. I looked at the man in the moon, and he smiled at me. And he said about that time Jesus came, stood at my bed by my side, and he had on a purple robe, and he had a crown of thorns on his head, and he showed me his hands and said, Buddy, will you preach for me? He said, Lord God, I'll get to it right away. And Buddy became a great preacher and a great soul winner. Well, he joined the Methodist church and he became a licensed Methodist preacher. Now, he wasn't sanctified, knew nothing about holiness. I remember one thing he said. One day he said, I was walking down the sidewalk in our city and a man came up and cussed me, said he called me everything that was in the book and some things that wasn't in the book. And he said, and the more he talked, he said, I felt something coming up in my shoulder and it got in my arm. And he said, I felt my fist balling up. And he said, the first thing I know, he said, I put a pump nut on the side of his head to remember me by. I started down the road. The devil said, buddy, what you gonna preach about Sunday? Woo. Time went by and a man came into the community preaching home. I think it was Dr. Godby. Said, I went to hear him. He said, that's the best religion I ever heard of in my life. But he said, nobody can get it. Nobody can have it. But he went back and heard him again. He began to hunger for it, began to thirst for it. And maybe, I think maybe he, he, he preached, began to preach it, though he didn't have it. But he said, one Monday morning, I went over to my mother's house and she had a, she had a crop of sweet corn. He said, I got a hoe and I went out and I was a pulling weeds and a hoeing corn. He said, I'd stop every once in a while and lean on that hoe handle and said, I'd pray and talk to God. I'd pull a few more weeds and hoe a little more. And he said, I'd stop and lean on that hoe handle and talk to God. Shortly after that, he said, oh, suddenly Almighty God came down through that garden in a chariot of fire and he passed where I was. And he said, God powerfully, wonderfully, everlastingly sanctified my heart. Now he said, God, he said, when is this? He said, Lord, don't open the windows of heaven. He said, open the door and give me all you got. And he said, about that time, the power struck me. And he said, the last thing I ever remember turning loose of was a whole hell. It went one direction, I went the other. And I fell between two rows of thorn on my face. He said, I, he said, I laid there for two hours and couldn't get up. There was so much power on me. He said, I couldn't get up and I couldn't stand up. I'm talking about Buddy Robinson. He said, I went up to my mother's house and she was fixing dinner. She said, I, I walked in and said, Mother, I'm sanctified. So she didn't say anything. She looked at me and the tears began to streak down her face. Time went by. Uncle Buddy's somewhere out in Texas attending a great holiness camp meeting. Those days they had shavings on the floor. I don't know who did the preaching. What he called his mom and said, Mom, if you'll come out here, I'll pay your, I'll pay your train ticket. He said, she said, Buddy, I'll be there. 
And he said the preacher got up that morning and preached a red, hot, clear cut, easy to understand message on second blessing holiness. But unbeknown to Buddy, his mother had come in and he didn't know it. She was sitting in the back of the tabernacle. He was sitting near the front. And the preacher walked off the platform and stood in front of the altar and said, I want the hungriest person in here this morning to meet me at this altar. But he said, I heard a commotion. And he said, it sounded like somebody running. I didn't know who it was. He said, I just turned around and said, here come my old Presbyterian mother with her old big black hat and her black suit, a dress and said she was running to the altar, get as fast as she can come. Presbyterian now. She's running to the altar, but said she never made it. Said she got right in front of it and all of a sudden the fire fell. She started shouting. She said, glory to God. This is what Buddy has been trying to tell me about. Glory, hallelujah. And she shouted and she shouted until she got so weak. Some of the ladies laid her out on the, one of the benches. And she kept shouting and then they took her over and laid her under the eaves of the tabernacle. By this time she shouted so much, her voice is gone. Buddy said all she could say was whoopee, whoopee. Whoopee, whoopee, whoopee. <laughs> you say, do I have to do that? I don't know what you'll do. I don't, don't seek anybody else's experience. God has one just for you and it'll satisfy you. He said, my mother got up from that altar. I think maybe she lived maybe in her middle 80s and said from that time on, mama had no wobble in her walk said she became one of the greatest altar workers I've ever known. She'd lay her hands on people and said they'd come through like popcorn and hot grease. And she lived a sanctified life and left this world a sanctified Presbyterian mother and is in glory the day. <laughs> Hallelujah. A buddy got it and his mother got it and you can have it. I was thinking about dear old Amanda Smith. The old colored lady got saved. She was a washerwoman. The only thing she had was a wash tub and a scrub board and a bar of soap. And she'd wash the white folks' clothes. She got saved. Then she heard about holiness. And to get holiness, you had to, you had to surrender everything to God. Make a total, complete consecration to God. Give him everything. So I didn't have nothing to give him. But she said, I took my old scrub board a wash tub and a scrub board and a bar of soap. I think she said she got in the tub. She said, oh God, all I've got is this tub and my old black self and you can have it, God. And you know God accepted that sacrifice. <laughs> and the fire fell and she got to praising God and she said, she said the power got in my rug and said it was going like a windmill and I went home and I couldn't stop it just like a windmill till I got home just going around and around and around. <laughs> that didn't happen to me, but it happened to her. You know, God sent that woman all around the world. Illiterate, poor as Job's turkey, but full of God. Sent around the world testifying and preaching about second blessing holiness. I wonder what God could do with you and me if we'd give him our all from the top of our head to the sole of our what God could do through you and with you. Sanctified and meet for the master's use. Well, hallelujah. I think about my dear old Uncle Jack Phillips. Jack got saved, I think Ray Hemrick, some of you probably knew him, he was a pastor. 
And uh, he would come over to Jack's house and usually go into the kitchen and they'd kneel and pray around the little kitchen table. Jack wasn't a Christian. My Aunt Zalma wasn't a Christian. This, and conviction got a hold of Jack and Jack and Zalma both got saved, really got saved. Made a complete change in their life like it does everybody. And uh, sometime later they had, they had a revival meeting at the Pilgrim Church. Walter Cuckman, I believe was his name, was holding the meeting. He preached holiness just about every service. My Uncle Jack heard it, heard the message. He responded, he came to the altar. He prayed, but he didn't get it. He came back the next night and prayed, and he did. most people don't get it the first time. That's not God's fault, it's ours, but most people don't. He said, I went back the next time and he still didn't get it. He went back two or three more times and he still didn't get it. Saturday night rolled around. A lot of the boys from the factory were there, worked it with Jack. He preached and gave the invitation and Jack hesitated. He said, must not be for me. He hesitated. I think the pastor came back and said, Jack, why don't you come one more time? And if you'll come, maybe some of your buddies that work with you at the shop, maybe they'll come to the altar and get saved. Reluctantly, he did. He came and knelt at the altar for just a minute or two. My Aunt Zalma told me, and said, uh, said directly, he just sat down cross-legged on the floor, sitting down on the floor in front of the altar. And said, I, I looked at him and said, his hands was like this. Come on, come on, come on. And said, all of a sudden, said the glory fell and the fire fell on Uncle Jack and God sanctified him. And said he, he stood up and leaped to his feet. He was a little backward, timid fellow and said the tears were streaming down his face. Said his face was shining like the sun and he was praising God, going up and down, shaking hands with everybody, shouting and praising God. He got the goods. He got sanctified. Had the glory. Had the fire. Was free. My Aunt Zalma said, we didn't go home. Said we stayed there all night long. We prayed, we sang, we shouted, we praised God till six o'clock the next morning. <laughs> been a long time since I've been in service like that. And said it was about six o'clock and she said, Jack, honey, said, we, we need to go to bed and get a little sleep. She said, okay, dear. And said they went to bed and laid down on the bed and said to, Covered up with a quilt and said directly the fire struck Jack and said he, he kicked all the covers off the bed. I was so blessed. Got up, put the covers back on the bed. They went back to bed. Said directly the fire struck Jack again. The glory struck him and he kicked the covers off the bed again. That ever happened to you? Didn't me, but it did him. She said, well, we can't sleep, Jack. Why don't we go upstairs and do some work? They just built a new house. And they were putting up, I think, some insulation or something in the ceiling. And all right, honey, let's, let's, go, let's go work on the, on, the, on the ceiling. And so she said, Jack picked up a hammer and said every time he'd raise that hammer up, said the glory would strike him. Said he, he couldn't drive a nail. The glory would strike him every time he raised his hand. So he couldn't do a thing. Well, I'm sure after a while that did subside. And from that point on, Uncle Jack Phillips lived a godly, clean, holy, consistent life. You talk about an influence. This man had an influence for God. And he, he took, I'll close with this. He took uh, this, this disease of the brain, what do they call it? Alzheimer's disease. And it finally got him. But uh, I think... Uh, 
probably his last day, just a few hours before he passed, and go to heaven. His, his wife, Zalma, was holding him in her lap on the bed and had his head in her arms. They were sitting on the bed. He's dying just a few moments now. He'll be gone. My sister, Shirley, who's listening to me right now, I guess, she came up and said, Jack, Uncle Jack, do you still believe in sanctification? He said, it's the best thing ever happened to me. In just a moment or two, he drew his last breath. He's in heaven. And friend, it's the best thing that'll ever happen to you. You will never be the Christian you ought to be till you're only sanctified. You'll never be the husband you ought to be. You'll never be the wife you ought to be. You'll never be the teacher or preacher or Sunday school you ought to be until you're wholly sanctified. And I'll tell you what, friend, if you give him your all, he will give you his all. And the very God of peace sanctify you through and through. And I pray God your whole spirit, soul, and body be not pickle, but preserved. It's God's keeping grace. That's the reason people backslide. New converts backslide. They don't get this keeping power. Preserved, blameless, not faultless. Blameless until how long? Till Jesus comes back. I say hallelujah, hallelujah. Say, how do I get it, preacher? Let's see. I got just a little more time. Oh, there's so much I could tell you. But Paul con concludes this message, but uh, by he gives, them, he gives them some steps to get the blessing. I want you to listen, and I'll close with this. What's the first thing I do, preacher? Now, you're saved unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's writing to the church. Here's what he tells these converts. He says, rejoice evermore. I didn't know that was in there. I believe you could actually shout your way into the blessing. Rejoice evermore. And one said it means this, be joyful always. That's what Brother Brown was telling us. You don't get sanctified, be joyful always. And then he said, pray twice a year. I said, I said, you know, I said, some of you people, you come to the altar in the spring revival, pray one time, you come back in the fall and you pray one time. A young man said, preacher, I said, you hit me right in the head. He said, I've been doing that for years. And he ain't said, I ain't sanctified yet. No wonder. And that means pray continually. Make prayer your habit. And then he went on to say, in everything, give thanks. In everything. Till you get to the place you can thank God for everything. Amen. Give thanks in all circumstances. And then he said, quench not the spirit. Now they had the spirit. How could they quench him if they didn't have him? They're not sanctified yet. But he said, quench not the spirit or do not put out the spirit's fire. Let go and let God have his way. Don't quench the spirit. Despise not prophesying. Do not treat prophecy with contempt. Prove all things. That means test everything by the book. Amen. You better test it. You better prove it because you might swallow something you can't digest. Prove all things. Hold fast to that that's good. What you got's good, but you're going to get more. 
When you got saved, you got a well of water. When you get sanctified, you get a river. Somebody said, what's the difference between a well and a river? Well, there's more water in a river than there is a well. You want more? Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. Hold fast to that which is good. Now listen, abstain from all appearance of evil. That's, that's, that's pretty close life, friend. That'll get most of your TV programs. It's not just that, it's abstain from all appearance of evil. That's living a good, clean, justified, regenerated life, wouldn't you say? When you do that, and the, when you do these things, and the very God of peace will sanctify you holy. Amen. Well, there's a lot more I could tell you, but uh, if you're a good candidate, I wonder, it is, it is 15 minutes till 12 o'clock. You might have said in your heart when you left home this morning, I'm hungry, I have this need. Is there anybody here this morning would like to come and present your body a living sacrifice and consecrate your all to God and let him have all you have? Would you like to be sanctified this morning? You could be sanctified coming down the aisle to get it. You could be sanctified sitting in your seat. One man said, I got sanctified uh, walking across a foot log. One man said, I got sanctified pulling up a bucket of water out of a well. You don't have to be at the altar to get sanctified, good place. But the disciples were filled with the Holy Ghost, said they were all sitting. They were all sitting. And suddenly, there came a sound. They had had 10 days of praying and waiting on God and consecrated and confessing carnality and getting everything straightened out among themselves. And suddenly, there came a sound from heaven, like a mighty rushing wind. And forked tongues of fire set up on each of their heads. I guess John looked at Peter and said, Peter, your head's on fire. He said, John, your head's on fire. Their hearts was on fire. Their heads was on fire. They couldn't stay up there very long. They started down the steps in the street. And when this was noised abroad, you know, our churches are empty. People don't come. It's, it's, you, let some, you let a rushing mighty wind come. Get some fire. I'd go a long ways to see the fire, wouldn't you? It's against the law to chase a fire truck, but there's something about fire attracts me. It's hard to resist it. I want to see where the fire's at. <laughs> fire's attractive. And God used fire to get Moses' attention. He set that bush on fire. Moses said, I'll turn aside and see what's going on here. He said, take the shoes off, Moses said, you're on holy ground. Somebody said, anything stands between you and holiness, you're going to have to take it off. And he took his shoes off. Are you sanctified? Do you want to be sanctified, holy? Let's stand. Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit, a ministry of Interchurch Holiness Convention, featuring Wesleyan voices past and present. For more sermons or for more information, visit www.ihconvention.com. 
This ministry is made possible through the financial support of our listeners. You may give online at ihconvention.com or send your donation to IHC, Post Office Box 99, New Berlin, Pennsylvania, 17855 USA. As it has been passed on.